2: And welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and one of the dadly boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Called You, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Called Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on rescue Chat. As I said, they joined by Michael Sidgwick. And sir, so we are gathered here today. Oh. We are socially distanced here today, for now at least, to talk about what needs to happen at Double or Nothing. Major developments uh, ahead of AW's pay-per-view at the end of this month on Dynamite this week. Uh, but before we get into those major developments, uh, a show that is going to be, hopefully, very well attended, and, and that's one of the biggest stumbling blocks early on, isn't it, for you, Sage?
0: Uh, yeah, I would say so. But obviously, the impetus for this is they've announced a whole chunk of that card um, on Dynamite, which I suspect is because they've been preempted after next week's Dynamite. So I just think they wanted to sell that card, whether it was organically the time to do so or otherwise. Otherwise, it's my exact opinion on that. But yeah, I mean, I'm fascinated by the seating configuration mm. of this event and the idea that they are doing a cinematic match and presumably they're not going to get like 5,000 people into the stadium like, like midway through the event. That simply isn't happening. So it's going to be an empty arena match for all intents and purposes. Um, But we'll get to that imminently. In terms of the seating configuration, right? One of the big cells of this card, they were talking about it on Dynamite, they will probably cut various promos to let you know it's going to feel like real wrestling again because it's a big selling point of a show. Mm-hmm. Um, is that there's going to be a presumed full house or close enough to it. They are going to have to move the hard cam, I think, because it's not enough to just hear the full house. It's yeah. the visual people want to see. Um So if if it just looks like a regular dynamite with the idea being right, if we're going to be a little bit cautious while still kind of having our cake and eating it too, we'll have the full house, but we'll still have wrestlers ringside and we'll still um, have the camera facing the entrances. Even if you can hear a crowd going insane and a big one at that, it's still going to feel, ah, well, it's no different to a dynamite. The, Mm. The fans are just louder but in terms of the pr and how much of this matters who knows i just think maybe they'll continue to do that with the idea being that they the the masses who might necessarily not be fully vaccinated are still at a safe distance protecting the wrestlers if not themselves um i truly think that that's probably a better way to do it but then what difference does it make you know if you're still risking Public health by putting on a show like this amid surging variants, and you know, the fact that the rollout, while still successful, I believe in America is in a position where there is more supply than there is demand. But again, like, what more can you do? Mm. I don't know. But I think that for people who aren't quite so morally conscious, we are going to see a return to that fight for the fall in 2019 um homecoming dynamite setup where you can actually see the fans front row Mm. one way to get around this that i was thinking is that if you're going to do this and have wrestlers like and fans ringside at least with the wrestlers you know they've gone through the, the the testing they wear the wristbands hence why they do this um one thing i was thinking is that the people you can see on the hard cam and are at ringside and the the Architecture of the amphitheater. I mean, amphitheater means there's not actually that many. um I would just put all invited guests there, mm-hmm. and then have the general public in the like as far away from the ring as possible. So I'm talking like wives, husbands, partners, children, assorted family members, papa, book, like <laughs> um, people they know. Are oh, you've been vac- fully vaccinated? Yes. Because they are intimately aware of these people, I would put them in those positions where you can see them in like those first rows. That's how I would do it. But I think they do kind of need to do that if it, if the selling point is this is a fully attended, full capacity, quote unquote, real world pay per view. They're probably going to have to change that hard cam. Um, but again, do the optics matter? UFC did an indoor event, an indoor event, my IAD, yeah. in that very same city of jacksonville and there was no big ferrari and happily at this point it doesn't seem like it was a super spreader so maybe pr and optics they don't care and it's just gonna be the general public in those front rows but if they can carefully manage it so that they know that there are vaccinated people and they can tell the audience there are vaccinated people there would they want to make the distinction basically i want to have my cake and eat it too i want it to be safe and i want it to look like it's safe even when it isn't which makes me think is it's still a little bit too early for this sort of thing. Yeah, I completely agree with you on
2: that one. But as I said, a major developments when it comes to double or nothing on dynamite this week, I think the card went from one match, uh, at least Wikipedia confirmed to five now on the double or nothing Wikipedia page with two more that we're going to discuss that are probably going to happen. Although, I'm scared about tempting fate regarding putting the tag titles on the line when they're going to be defended on Dynamite next week. Uh, Let's talk about the biggest thing, though, and the thing we've actually got quite a lot of tweets about uh, following our Dynamite review this week. That being the uh, three way triple threat match, Kenny Omega, uh, Orange Cassidy and Pac for the AW World Championship. Now, we're not going to talk about the way that they got to that because it was, you know, a necessity in terms of Orange Cassidy you know, getting injured and uh, them needing a way out rather than trying to stretch the match to 20 minutes to get it to do with a time limit draw like they originally intended. I think that's the best. The, they made the best of a bad situation. But you mentioned this, and we've had lots of people saying, why are you so concerned regarding triple threat matches? You've had your issues with them in the past. You've talked about recently the fact that you've really enjoyed some of them. Uh, Brian versus Edge versus Reigns at WrestleMania being arguably the most
0: recent example
2: but should we be worried about the triple threat match for the world title?
0: No, I think that they haven't just thought, right. Okay. The The selling point of the show is the fact that it's going to feel like a real world back to normal pay-per-view. That's the primary selling point. Um, hence why I feel like they've done a three way because they don't want to burn through their best singles matches until it actually comes back to normal. But it's, This company knows how to make matches and knows how to book. I just think that they think this specific dynamic is going to work perfectly for whatever reason. Hmm. I've got a reason, or basically me being a mark and thinking of a spot they can do, Hmm. if that's a reason. But I think that they themselves are going to think of the cool things they can do in this match, hence why they've arrived at something that feels... It isn't random. That's the thing. They've quite... Obviously, there was the disaster that struck on Dynamite this week but in terms of making this match it's really quite an elegant and interesting use of the ranking system Mm. Um, so it's not like the usual thing where in WWE they put three people together because they want to designate a jobber to take the fall when they don't want someone specifically to lose yet or they just feel like that's not really an important pay-per-view let's just do a triple threat why not (laughs) I don't feel like it's getting that vibe um but my concern is that a three-way match doesn't draw or hold the interest as much as a one-on-one match with like an unassailable challenger versus an invincible champion one-on-one mm. with a grudge reason or a philosophical reason why these um, two men, in addition to earning the spot of a title match, don't also like each other. I just think that's tricky to build with three people. And... um WWE's got so much to answer for, right? This is the <laughs> podcast I don't think WWE fans are going to really listen to this, but they've got so goddamn much to answer for. And what I mean by that is it just feels so normal, the triple threat. And it's so established as this thing that WWE have done more often than not out of total laziness or, hang on, we've botched the build of this singles match. So let's get a third person in to make it more interesting. And Dave Meltzer on Observer Radio reviewing AEW Dynamite, pointed out like it's a bad look for a company that actually takes titles seriously. We know that WWE haven't done so for years. But realistically, if this is meant to be an emulation of sport, and I know people might roll their eyes saying AEW aims to do that considering we have just in a bubbly bath, but I think mm-hmm. at its narrative framework core, regardless of the various sports entertainment factors that sometimes are a part of the show, at its core... It is undeniable at this point that they've established their titles perfectly, in my opinion. And one person, theoretically, it's not going to happen in the match, but Pac could win by beating Orange Cassidy or vice versa, and Kenny Omega doesn't win the fall. like That would never happen in MMA or boxing, ever, because it's just not fair. (laughs) It isn't fair. Like It's just a bit dumb when you boil
2: it all down. And to be fair, it's such a unique way of ending a match. It's barely mentioned when WWE have
0: triple threats. Yeah, God, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, So that's a concern. The fact that I don't know how you credibly have three people cut promos on each other is a concern. I'm worried about the build. It's very much, it's not unlike WWE this. And I know they didn't, they were very savvy in the original plan, at least, of not going the WWE route and making Kenny Omega look like an idiot for interfering in the match because it always turns into a three-way they were going to build this as organically and as sportingly as possible, but yet it's still a bit dumb when you consider that all important detail. And I don't know how you just one-on-one tag team faction matches. Like if you get a third wheel involved all too often, they feel like a third wheel. That's why they call it a third wheel. And yet I think that they are willing to sacrifice an easier and more elegant and more traditionally um, better drawing story because the match is going to be as cool as anything. Um, Orange Cassidy is kind of perfect to play that third guy on the outside selling, because you can cut to a side gag and have Orange Cassidy just not actually selling at all. (laughs) If there's any, because I hate that spot where they're just selling a move that in the ordinary context of a singles match, they would be back up in, what, 20 seconds, Mm. if that like a minute or two can go by and this person's selling on the outside because they have to, because it's a turn-taking exercise. Orange Cassidy is almost perfect for this because he can pretend to do that in a meta gag and just roll in and take a roll-up. This is not too dissimilar to what he does in a singles match. I've taught myself around on this, Wilburne, for one reason, before we move on. And I want to get your thoughts on this as well. But basically, not this spot, but just on the match itself. Mm. But... Pack having been battered is on his knees. Kenny Omega rears up for the V trigger, and at the same time as he aims his knee into Pack's head, Orange Casty can hit Kenny Omega with a Superman punch. Oh, and they can do the one cover one, two, three, one, two, no, and then cover the other guy one, two, no. And that'd be an amazing spot. If I've thought of that, I'm pretty sure three of the best. In different ways, markedly different ways, professional wrestlers on the planet have come up with spots like that. Yeah. Orange Cassidy is the perfect guy to do a three-way. They can do loads of fun spots like that. I'm just worried about how much people are going to care.
2: That's a great shout for a spot. I was thinking of something sort of similar, I suppose, which was the Orange Punch being hit, being hit mid-Black Arrow on Kenny Omega. Uh, and then again, just another spot. You know, you, I love the idea of Orange Cassidy being on the outside, but not being injured from a suplex or whatever it may be. But I do like the idea of the other two guys, you know, not hitting a finisher, but hitting a move that is going for a pinfall. And, you know, you know, we've all seen the, the the desperate lunge and the dive onto the pile to break it up. I just love the idea of Orange Cassidy rolling into the ring and rolling over the pile and then just rolling out the other side to try and break it up effectively Uh, or just distracting whoever's going for the, going for the pin enough to, for them to not get the pinfall. Yeah. I think there's, there's scope for it. I think, like you say, I think the key difference here, as much as I agree with you, I loved uh, Rain's edge and, and Brian, but I have seen a lot of triple threats that you just like, Oh, what is this? Like this just doesn't work. I think you're right. I think the key thing people need to realise here is that the cast of characters that we've got and the difference between them, which I think is going to be the... I don't want to say saving grace because that sounds like I'm going in with a negative point of view. But yeah, to temper anyone's concerns, I think uh, not just with the the wrestling brains you've got involved, but the characters as well just work far better than if it was just, I don't know, uh, Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page versus John Moxley, for example. That's a very yeah. different
0: very good point to make yeah uh
2: speaking of john moxley actually let's let's move on and talk about a match that isn't announced and may not even happen uh but probably is let's be perfectly honest the young Bucks versus moxley and kingston the young books of course defending the aw tag titles next week against the varsity blondes who are number one i believe in the rankings we're assuming they're going to get through them who knows maybe they won't but almost regardless there's going to be a match between the four men uh moxley, kingston and uh, matt and nick jackson And it's a mouth-watering prospect, particularly when you include the the tag titles into that mix.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it'll be a totally different kind of Young Bucks match to their norm. Not that they have a norm necessarily, but there's a style that they excel at and are synonymous with. And yet at Revolution, they deviated from that apparently formula pattern in a match against Jericho and MGF, which I thought was great. It was such a classic mm. babyface versus heel match. A great hybrid of old and new school. What I just thought was genuinely tremendous. Like MJF drooling all over himself like a pig when he's the guy who just claims not to be and he's above everyone. Was just he knows how to show ass. So what I'm getting at here is that the Young Bucks know how to work virtually every kind of match. Part of me wants this to be false count anywhere. A lot of this rivalry has taken place all around daly's place we've seen it in the parking lot area we've seen it now in the dressing rooms we've seen it in the ring i think that maybe that's a hint towards a match that realistically probably gets the best out of um moxley and kingston's particular style um but I wouldn't complain if it wasn't, particularly since we've got a Casino Battle Royale and we've also got Stadium Stampede too. And if you hadn't false count anywhere onto that, like various AEW pay-per-views within this pandemic have sort of fallen victim to doing too many yeah. stick matches to the point where it's like, oh, I kind of want to say a 15-minute banger at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but nonetheless, this match is going to happen, Right. I can't see Moxley and Kingston winning the titles. I wouldn't mind because I can't see them reigning with them for that long. And I think there's still a great story to be told with the books and Omega holding these titles together and losing them on the same night. And then that can bring about the babyface reunion of the elite. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, is that I like Moxley and Kingston so much <laughs> I other people like moxley and kingston so much and if you look at the rest of the card it feels like with the directions in which this company is being taken the first full capacity pay-per-view like this mm-hmm. what's meant to represent this like celebration of wrestling returned you want people to be happy about that and it's going to go full heel i would do like a month-long switch like, a month-long switch just so that the court the story can Uh, The overarching story with the Elite can correct itself, but people get like a one-night pop. And it's all right to do that. It's all right to make people smile now and then. Um, But I do worry slightly about the match quality, but at the same time, there's probably few better. In fact, I think of two wrestlers in the world who could emote and convey just fury and disgust at the Young Bucks being dickhead Young Bucks on the apron, just desperate to get in that ring to... Wipe the smug smiles off their faces. Eddie Kingston's face will be amazing <laughs> in that regard, and as will John Moxley's. Like I just think it'll be a different kind of great match. But uh, part of us wants to see and falls count anywhere. Mm.
2: I can't call this one because, like you say, it, you know, it feels right. Especially I've just glanced at that card, and you know, disregarding other matches we're going to talk about, of the five matches right now. That's not including the tag match we're talking about here. I have a majority of heels going over. So like you say, it's going to you. you almost think, well, you can't really do that across the board, especially when like it, that would probably have most heels leaving with titles. So I don't know. I can see them doing a switch to Moxley and Kingston, like you see, say just for a month, but I can also see them using this as a, as a platform potentially to maybe write Moxley off. He was obviously going to go uh, after a revolution and that didn't happen. And then Renee Paquette, I think, I saw her tweeting. She was in a, you know, towards the end of her pregnancy and stuff. The so.
0: timing of this is a little bit... If you're a wrestling fan listening to this right now, by the way, and this match, for whatever reason, can't happen because Moxie gets called to the scene, do not be a dick. No. Just let her have the goddamn baby, please. This is
2: like the people who are like, well, Becky Lynch gave birth in December. Why can't she be in the Rumble? Because she gave birth in December, dickhead. So, yeah, I I, I can't. I, I don't know. The only thing I thought, the only thought I had along with this was uh, talking about Kingston. And I don't know why. Maybe it's just because I watched Mad Max Fury Road recently. But the idea, the, uh, the idea that. They get the cold spray and Eddie Kingston sprays it in his mouth and does the whole, oh, what a lovely day. And it like powers him up. I don't know. I (laughs) don't mean if if anyone can pull something like that he's Eddie Kingston.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Like me,
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
2: <laughs> let's, uh, let's look at the rest of this card. And let's, let's talk a little bit about Stadium Stampede. Uh, wild that they have immediately gone to this off the back of Blood and Guts. Uh, divisive, let's say, especially because we're finding out in the news on Friday that um, Chris Jericho is legitimately injured. Keep, I'm sure he'll be fine to compete or at least compete in a cinematic match. But surreal that they didn't just call it and say, oh, we'll just, we'll just delay this. There's no need to, to do this so fast. Um, but yeah, a, a surreal choice for, for having this as a gimmick match to follow blood and guts, isn't it?
0: Yes, it is. Personally, I don't know why they didn't do this first and then Blood got second. They've got an idea for this, and I'm, this is not particularly good audio because I'd like to believe that people listen to this for my just incredible insights, Adam Wilborn. But here's my insight into how I think this match is going to play out. I've got no idea. I know what it isn't going to be, I think, but I don't know what it is going to be. Hmm. It's not going to be a comedy match. It just isn't. Chris Jericho was talking on Wrestling Observer Radio and indeed on his own podcast um, about how potentially Stadium Stampede could be done again and not necessarily in the same tone as the original. I thought, having watched Stadium Stampede 1, Jesus Christ, I needed that. I think everyone needed that levity. How clever, creative, and necessary was it of AEW to... I called it like a quasi-canon, where you can't do blood and guts in this environment because it would be depressing with no fans there, and it would feel like a hollow emulation of what wrestling can't be anymore because there's a pandemic going on. Because AEW's the best promotion on the goddamn planet, they were clever enough to recognize this too and thought, right, okay instead of making a hollow and depressing, what could have been version of a match that would have been way better in front of crowds, how do we do something new? How do we actually sell this thing, this pandemic, and create a match that is going to put smiles on people's faces? We arrived at Stadium Stampede, this great artist canvas on the field and in the areas. Even if... Was a comedy dynamic or the players involved who could do comedy? I'm not saying that the inner circle can't, Jesus Christ, we've probably seen too much of it. Mm. I'm not saying that MGF isn't funny, I'm just saying I don't want to see FTR in a comedy match. Mm. I just don't. That image of them with the comedy jester outfits was cursed, so I don't want uh, to see yeah. them in a comedy match. It, I don't think it'll be a comedy match. Chris Jericho, and probably people should have picked up on this, intimated that they could do Stadium Stampede and it not be a comedy match. So I don't think it'll be a comedy match, but for actually what it is, I just don't know. Just to repeat myself briefly, uh, some thoughts I had on the review. Dax Harwood versus Jungle Boy was so good, and Jungle Boy's plight resonated as this crisis getting absolutely beaten to bits here, because Dax Harwood works in such a way that he doesn't give you any breathing room. He's in your face. He cuts you off. FTR in their tag matches do not give you any room to do anything Because they know that in tag team wrestling, that is how you Mm -hmm. overcome the odds and make your opponent feel like they're in a totally perilous position. How do you cut a stadium in half? How do you, a good promoter, a competent promoter looks at his talent, doesn't impose matches on them and thinks, what match suits you? What opponent suits you? How do I get you over? Not this brand that WWE (laughs) does. How do I get the talent over? And, my imagination isn't that of a pro wrestler or an artist even. I'm an analyst, so I don't know how they can get the best out of a, of a unit like FTR. I don't know how you do a match like this in a stadium with so much goddamn space to play with and it look serious. Yeah. Like a blood feud, like this is ostensibly meant to be. Um, I am prepared to be surprised. I just don't know. Do you, have you got any idea what it looks like? No, absolutely no.
2: No, I like you say, I've maybe it's because I've been conditioned from from stadium stampede one, but like I was thinking then, like, oh, maybe we could have because obviously you had the ring in, in, in the last one in the center of the field. It's like maybe you have that and you have Santana and Ortiz and FTR just stay in the ring the whole time. And then I was like, well, that's preposterous because what are the rest of them going be, to be doing running around this stadium and you know. Just setting it, and I'm not saying they should do stadium stampede in a different stadium or set it somewhere else, but purely just because we're going to see the stadium from last year, I'm going to go, oh, I remember that. I remember when Matt Hardy was dunked and changed into different characters or strapped someone into a wheelchair and then put them in an ice box. It's really difficult to, to balance that. You know, I, you know I'd, I'd love to see a stadium stampede too. Like you say, it was so necessary last year. But I can't... I'm struggling, I should say, to, to balance that with this being... Not, it doesn't have to be a level up. And I think that the result of this is obviously going to be a win for the inner circle, you would assume. I just can't balance how this is, you know, the, well, the continuation of a blood feud.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think they'll strike a completely different tone. Yeah. That's crucial. We don't... But hopefully... The word variant is terrifying me right now, but hopefully we won't won't need to have that mood lightened as we did in May 2020. I just look at a stadium and think, it's a kind of inherently farcical place to hold a wrestling match Hmm. without fans in it. I just, I've got no idea. Hmm. Bad insight, I guess. I don't have the imagination. And I'm hoping they could do the bar stuff again with Hager and Wardlow this time. Hmm. Um, they could use the toilets because that's been a part of it with um Chris Jericho giving him what they call it in America, swirly. They could use the toilets. Like someone tweeted me saying a mass version of that awesome brawl in which Dax Harwood got his head opened up. (sighs) 30 minutes of that would suit me down. But here's the thing when do you put this on the show? Yeah, you kind of have to do it last because this is going to be long. There's too much of an area to cover it in what 15 minutes, unless they film it very carefully. But even then, I don't want it. To, I want it to feel like a wrestling match that happens to take place in an unusual location, rather than an overtly cinematic match with the effects, like we did with Hardy in the in the in the pool, as you mentioned. I just don't know. I've got no idea.
2: Tell me if I'm being incredibly naive here. Is there any way they do the classic start in the stadium end? Daily's place? Finish at Daily in Daily's place for the fans?
0: I guess so. But if this is gonna go at least at least 25 minutes, they have to put it on last. Mm. You kind of kill the crowd by putting this match on. The crowd should know. Oh, it's stadium stampede. That's not happening in the amphitheater. <laughs> I mean, I don't think even some bloody Yanks to quote the great Anthony Agogo are that daft. <laughs> um but yeah, if you're gonna It has to either be dead in the middle, dead in the middle, so it's like, oh, it can almost double as an intermission for people who are annoyed that it's not happening in in the amphitheater and want nothing to do with it, or it'll just allow people to catch their breath from Mm. the performative aspect of cheering people on. You can still react, and they'll still um, tape those reactions or like Mm. put them through the the broadcast feed. Middle or last for me. Imagine this going in the semi-main. (laughs) <laughs> it kill the crowd yeah it's just odd doing a cinematic match for me right now until I see the placement of it and I'm proven wrong yeah basically we, we messed it up at full gear 2020 with the yeah. placement of Elite Deletion yeah and even doing an Elite Deletion when there was fans there put it on last
2: it, it, this podcast is called what needs to happen at double or nothing we haven't got a bloody clue about Stadium Stampede so let us know your thoughts on Twitter at What WWE, and we'll move on to one of the most straightforward matches, I think, on this card. Uh, and one of the first matches, actually, that was announced. Hikaru Shida defending the AW Women's World Championship against Britt Baker. Shida said she wanted to hold onto that belt and defend it in front of fans. She's going to. She ain't going to be holding it at the end of the night, though, is she?
0: No, she isn't. Um, look, this is an absolute foregone conclusion to the extent that, one, it's almost harming the build were it not for how great a character Britt Baker is. And I know I like the photo shoot as well, but I still think they need to do more to remind people who the goddamn AEW Women's Champion is. Two, we know the results. Um, We know the match will be really good. Um, We've seen them do it before in front of no fans. It's going to be even better. I do like the heartbreaking slash heartwarming element of Sheeda losing it the second (laughs) that the fans are back, as was her dream, because it's nice of them to have left the reign this long so that Sheida can realize this dream, which probably every pro wrestler in that company and every company has. Um, So it's nice that they've done that. And I just like how AEW are better than the analysis of it, even mine, which is why this company has such a loyal diehard base, because we wanted them to strap Britt Baker like, what, four or five months ago? At the very least. And yet, what Tony Khan has done before strapping up Britt Baker, is that he's built a division that can then challenge Britt Baker when she gets a title. Chris Statland is back and she's getting something of a push. Ty Conti has still got the currency of her huge improvement that they can credibly have her challenge. Um, when everything comes properly down, Riho, who is in Japan, as confirmed by Dave Malta, can come back. he has been doing a lot of stuff on Dark and Dark Elevation. People still have the memories of her winning the um eliminate a tournament and she's still got a bit of credibility behind her. Just he's very deftly hmm. built a division before crowning Baker, who can then take on the division as champion. Baker wins and she needs to win. And how mad is it to think that Baker's lost recently
2: to Thunder Rosa, a ready made like you say, title contender. And it's complete it's water off a duck's back because in Baker's own words, yeah, it's a win, it's a win for you, but doesn't count it's not on the record so it's like it's in our heads but it's not on the rankings which are actually important to, to aw I, I think it's it's very very good book in that
0: um there's no one left for Sheeta to work there's everyone for baker to work and that's why tony khan has done wonders with this women's division for which he deserves a lot of credit mm. Uh, some
2: other genius booking for something that we were like, wait a second, how are they going to do this at the pay per view? Such you know, in such a note prior to his loss, is Hangman Page who will face Brian Cage, uh, a rematch for the thing where it all went so wrong for Hangman Page. What a week or two before he would have been almost guaranteed a world title match.
0: Yeah, really good booking because it dovetails deftly <laughs> with the world title picture. It's a another exquisite beat on this um, Hangman Page arc. Jesus Christ, if that entire arena, if and when Hangman Page, well, when Hangman Page dethrones Kenny Omega, doesn't burst into tears at the sight of him holding that world title, people do not deserve pro wrestling. They just don't. (laughs) It's been so wonderfully crafted for two years. I'll just be upset if people do not burst into tears. Very straightforward, this. And I think it's almost imperative that it opens the show because Hangman Page is going to get his win back. Um, it's going to catapult him up the rankings. He'll have some, a little few wobbles on the way because there's a three-month gap between the next pape. Um, but yeah, it's a nice bit of redemption, again, for Hangman Page. And it has to open the show. Yes. And as a general point... I know you're not asking it as a question, but I don't know if you think about this. I'll get your thoughts as well. I want this to go 12 minutes where they might be tempted to go 16. I want Baker Shida to go 12 minutes where they might go tempted to go 16. A lot of times on AEW pay-per-views, every match is at least three minutes too long. Shida versus Mizunami at Revolution peaked three minutes before the finish. Yeah. So many matches just feel like get on with it that ladder match jesus christ they could have taken 10 minutes off that they try to tell stories in the ladder match and it's like right okay that's fair enough but just do mad stuff you're not going to beat money in the bank one just don't bother trying
2: Mm.
0: and as a general point i don't feel tired willborn like it's a wrestlemania kind of tired Mm. but the end of a lot too many recent AEW pay-per-views. I'm thinking, I'm not tired. I still had my energy for the main event, which is all too important. And yet, I still feel like matches could have gone a few minutes shorter. What are your feelings on that?
2: Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think I think an AEW, I sense, would probably admit this, uh, looking back, that they could have trimmed the fat off numerous matches over the last few pay-per-views. I'm slightly conflicted in terms of the fact that I obviously do a lot of the live streams for this. And... You know, they start or that one's they start at like one AM, which is even later than than the, the WWE ones. And they obviously go longer because they're 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 more sporadic in in, in nature. But I, I agree. I think I think they could really slim down some of the stuff and it's 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 getting to the point, like you say, where I don't think, oh, God, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm still there. I'm still, you know, fully invested. And each story is built so well to get to the pay-per-view that I'm not like, oh, why have we even got this here sort of thing? But what I will say is after the pay-per-view, it's like all this mad stuff's happened. And, I, you know, I go through matches and I I, I feel bad when we do, like, recaps and stuff because I just miss stuff because there's just so much that has happened. Whereas, like you say, if you just had a... 10 minute banger and it's like, you know, build, 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 right. Here's your big finish. Let's take it home. I think it would be far more beneficial, not across the board. Like you say, you don't need to suddenly take five minutes off every single match, but yeah, I think they do need to look at that. And also as we're booking this now, there's going to be, if we include the matches that we, we assume are happening, seven matches on this card. I don't think there needs to be many more than that really. Obviously you probably put Miro on there defending the TNT title, but Eight matches, nine matches at a push. That's all you really need,
0: isn't it? Nine maximum for me. Darby and Sting versus... Yes. Um, Page and Sky. Lance Archer versus Miro. And then the seven we're discussing here. Mm, exactly. Um, let's talk about something that,
2: that maybe makes you roll your eyes on the pay-per-views, and that's the Casino Battle Royal. Uh, at the time of recording, two people confirmed that, Christian Cage and Matt Seidel, one of whom I think may well win the Casino Battle Royal. Uh, but yeah, a checkered history for these, these uh, matches, um, but a means to an end, considering the winner of this gets an AW World title shot, and that's what Christian's been been aiming at since he arrived.
0: Can they not just do a mini Royal Rumble? <laughs> it's the be- It's the standard, it's the best. Um, As far as I can tell... Right, because we've seen a version of war games. We've seen countless companies do a multi-man money in the bank slash gimmick for the exact same stakes, no less. We've seen a tag team Royal Rumble. Like, can you not just admit that Pat Patterson was a genius and just do a Royal Rumble? Like, if you don't call it a Royal Rumble, you can do the match, I think. We've seen enough examples in other matches where you can do the same goddamn thing and just call it a casino battle royale, except it's a, a Royal Rumble match. Hmm. The casino format doesn't work. They've sensed it doesn't work because they did a rumble at Revolution, in effect. They've never done a particularly outstanding casino battle royale under the old rules. It was a weird thing to watch first, and then it was a not particularly great thing to watch with the women's one at All Out 2019 on the pre show, I think it was. And then the one at All Out 2020 with the men was just a disaster. The format doesn't work. It's convoluted. And even if it wasn't convoluted in the rules, mm. like this, the, the dynamics and the way they're coming, it's just crap. Either do a rumble or do a traditional and stick casino in the front of it. It's not as if casino is this great sacred term. Well, I will say, like
2: you, like you mentioned, the, the Battle Royale the the adult Revolution with that finish with Phoenix and Jungle Boy was spectacular. So this isn't a cursed stipulation.
0: Oh, it is for me. Honestly, it is for me. The best thing we've ever done in these matches is have MGF call, like go after that, um, Dustin Thomas. Yeah.
2: But it's really easy to fix. Like, you know, a rumble, like you say, goes one to 30, you want to do the casino bollocks? I mean, I'd only have it at this pay per view, first of all, considering it's history, but whatever. You want to do all that? Just have a big roulette wheel and a, and a digital thing that drops and it goes, oh, number red 24 or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And then red 24 comes out. Like rather than it's five people and you need to, I just, I cannot keep up with it. Like you say, it's not, it doesn't work. Yeah. What I mean by it not being cursed in terms of, you know, they don't just have dodgy finishes. But every time when they go, oh, it's spades and five guys come out, I I guarantee I'll miss at least one every single time. So, yeah, they need to change this one way or another.
0: They do. As for who wins, Christian Cage, this outwork everybody gimmick would work very well. It's a bit boring, but he's getting his patter back and it's Christian. It would work well if he does the Iron Man and wins it because he's literally outworked everyone. So if he comes and does something at the start, it's probably the way to do it. If nothing else, you'll get some nice spots. You can highlight guys. You can tell stories. Um, Even a bad battle royale yields storyline development. It's just the beauty of the match and how many people are in it. It's an opportunity, if not a great match. Christian Cage... Staring down and entering Matt Hardy, that would be nice that'll get a massive pop that would be good yeah that would be good um but yeah it feels like it's a vehicle to build Christian Cage and will probably maybe they can't do this every time, but they might do some kind of joker. Like they, they always have a debut during these matches. That's what I was going to say, my pick was going to be
2: well, it's either Christian Cage wins it, and with all the stuff you've mentioned there, or Daniel Bryan comes in as the Joker. There we go.
0: Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll... It's a good podcast, maybe. If the if the wrestling news cycle isn't popping, then we can do that as a pod. So <laughs> yes, exactly. Jewish, yeah, exactly. Uh, final
2: thing to talk about is, of course, uh, the American dream, as he will be on the night, Cody Rhodes. Versus Anthony Agogo, and putting our bias to one side, being best friends with with Anthony gogo could he could he shock everyone with a victory here?
0: Um, I think it could go absolutely either way, right? And I'm going to try and think of this pragmatically. The guy who's flag shagging the American flag might not necessarily. Lose in America, yes. It's like riots, like it's just the cultural mentality is not there anymore. But you know, feels like it's all geared up for Cody's big win, and it'll be controversial if the trained senior professional wrestler beats the very hard but rookie and untested hmm. professional wrestler who happens to have another sporting discipline as his background. I personally would be happy with either result. If you look at how AEW books and just operates in general with the Rankin's framework. Cody um, Gogo, who's probably going to chin, mess up Austin Gunn on Dynamite. Yeah. going to knock his fucking teeth out. If he does that, right, he'll be 2-0. If he beats Cody Rhodes at the pay-per-view, he will be 3-0. He is a heel in a heel champion-dominated company at present, who's probably, and I might be totally surprised, he might be absolutely awesome, a go-go. He certainly carries himself like a star. Yes. Talks like a star, projects himself like a star, which is more important than in-ring ability, but those star qualities don't matter for much if you have an absolute embarrassment of a night, and they can all get stripped away. It seems a little bit too soon for him to be climbing those rankings, but I don't know what he wrestles like. He might be the absolute tit, Anthony Gogo. He might be the bollocks, <laughs> but we don't know yet. Um, if he's the bollocks and he loses that match, I might be annoyed. If it's kind of obvious that Cody is guiding him through it and Cody wins, so what you've done is you've just platformed and given a big pay-per-view match to an emerging star. Mm. It's wrestling. People are too often focused on the booking, what's going to happen to their favorite? Wrestling is a fictional medium, and it all depends on whether you want to tell the sad ending or the happy ending. And looking at the whole patriotism aspect of this feud, and you have to consider the the real-life situations of who's ready and who's not, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think Cody wins this, and people get pissed off when they shouldn't, is what I'm getting at. Does it need to happen? I don't think anything needs to happen with this match. I think you can tell a happy ending, give a Google valuable experience on that big stage, the, the mere fact that he's appearing on it is still should if you're not a bad faith mutant should effectively communicate to you right he's lost this one but they've clearly got plans for him they didn't do this on Dynamite mm. yeah I don't think anything needs to happen with this one I really don't
2: is AEW so good they could actually pull off a flag match down the road
0: no <laughs> <laughs> you the I, don't to, I don't want to see people climb if I wanted to see people climb right I would watch climbing I wouldn't watch <laughs> wrestling Right, well, if
2: we're not having that then, bollocks. We're going to have Go Gogo win and then to represent the British, rather than putting a flag over Cody Rhodes, teabags him in the middle of the ring. Thank you very much. God save the
0: Queen. <laughs> I was talking about it being the bollocks, world but I wasn't talking
2: about that. <laughs> Um, but yes a very exciting two weeks looks two weeks bloody hell to look forward to as we head towards Double or Nothing let us know your thoughts on what needs to happen at Double or Nothing on Twitter at WhatCulture WWN, And your thoughts on everything we've discussed well actually you can follow both of us you can follow Michael Sidgwick at msidgwick Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from, for daily wrestling podcasts, including, of course, our preview and review of AEW Dynamite every single week. But for now, this has been Get the Table. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands.